Okay, Chelsea, we have a plethora of topical news articles to talk about. Take your pick. I have three. I will summarize them into very short... Headlines? No, not headlines yet. Those are my favorite. I have an alien topic. I have a cryptid topic. And I have a depressing topic. I pick the good old solid alien. Harvard scientist wants to launch an investigation into meteor at bottom of the Pacific Ocean, which he believes is actually alien technology. This was posted on the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail? Yeah, middling resource, but I thought it was a fun topic. Posted April 23rd by Gina Martinez. A controversial Harvard scientist says he wants to launch an investigation into a meteor that he believes is actually alien technology lying at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. Last week, the U.S. Space Command confirmed the meteor that hit Earth in January of 2014 did come from another solar system and is therefore the first known interstellar object. U.S. Space Command officials have said that the meteor measuring just 1.5 feet across was indeed an interstellar object. Their confirmation confirms the famous interstellar object known as Oumuamua, which you'll remember because that name doesn't come up anywhere else but with that one comet thing. I Okay, hopefully. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Discovered in 2017 <laughs> is actually the second interstellar object to visit our solar system. But Harvard physicist Avi Loeb claimed on Wednesday that the object is instead a piece of alien technology. Quote, Our discovery of an interstellar meteor heralds a new research frontier, Loeb wrote in The Debrief. Quote, The fundamental question is whether any interstellar meteor might indicate a composition that is unambiguously artificial in origin. Better still, perhaps some technological components would survive the impact. He suggested scooping up the object from the bottom of the Pacific Ocean with a magnet in order to examine the artificial object and added that retrieving the object could be an opportunity to fulfill a lifelong dream of getting his hands on alien technology. My dream is to press some buttons on a functional piece of equipment that was manufactured outside of Earth, Loeb wrote. Loeb has made a name for himself for openly believing that aliens have made contact with Earth. In 2021, the physicist released a book entitled Extraterrestrial, Colon, the first sign of intelligent life beyond Earth that argued that Oumuamua is not a comet or asteroid, but a light sail, a method of spacecraft propulsion. Oumuamua was discovered in October of 2017 by a telescope in Hawaii millions of miles away. At the time of the discovery, Loeb received backlash from scientists after claiming the object was actually a discarded piece of technology from aliens. Quote, we know that it's artificially made. It had no cometary tail. We know that we made it, so that provides evidence that we can tell the difference between a rock and an object that is pushed by sunlight. The trouble is, the only way to know for certain Oumuamua's origin is by taking an image of it, but the object is already too far away. What he's saying is basically, we know what a light sail would look like because we've made a light sail before. Dr. Moser confirmed that the velocity estimate reported to NASA is sufficiently accurate to indicate an interstellar trajectory. It was back in 2019 that Harvard University researchers posted a study of the preprint server ArcSiv, I don't know what that means, acknowledging that the meteor's existence and saying it had come from outside our solar system. The study, which still hasn't been peer-reviewed, so a little out there still, reported the meteor as originating from interstellar space with 99999 percent confidence <laughs> according to the authors the study has been awaiting peer review for years so the claim could be confirmed but it's faced roadblocks from the u.s government which was withholding key information from a publicly available nasa database information about the meteor is scarce although its details including its coordinates above manis island are logged in nasa's center for near-earth object studies and that's the article. Okay, I held on to my comments for once until the end. Oh, good. First of all, I was wondering about a comet named Oumuamua. It sounded like it was from Hawaii, but the telescope was in Hawaii, and that's my comment. Yes, and they used Maori language to name it. I believe it's Oumuamua in Maori is the traveler. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. There's more to it than I thought, but I was like, that's a weird name. But then you said the telescope's in Hawaii, and I was like, yeah, it does sound like it's from Hawaii. Second, at first you made it sound like the only reason he thought that it had alien technology is because it was the second thing that was interstellar. Yeah, I think that's literally it. Really? But, to be fair, it it seemed towards the end that it took a little bit of a turn because there was reasoning, and I don't have, like, 
like a audiographic memory, but it had something to do with the way it was flying. And we've seen things fly in a certain way and this was flying differently. And that's Oumuamua. So Oumuamua mm-hmm. did not have a tail. Mm-hmm. That was it. When a comet is flying, its tail will always be facing away from the sun. So whether it's flying towards the sun or away from the sun, it's always going to be facing away from it. It's not going yeah. to be behind it in trajectory. Yeah. That's why the Harvard professor believes it was alien technology. Yeah. Because it kind of... Fair enough. At the same time, maybe because it's interstellar, it's just like weird. But either way, I think inter- second interstellar object ever, even if it's not alien, like why not get it so we can see where it came from and what's going on? Maybe it does have some weird stuff on it that we've never seen before. Oh yeah, I guarantee you it's going to have some unique characteristics to it. So... It's likely since it was only 1.5 feet across, completely destroyed and coming into our atmosphere, or at least on contact with the ocean. Well, then what's he talking about? If it's 1.5 feet across, like it was going 100,000 miles an hour. Oh, that's not very big. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure you've played with beach balls that were bigger than this thing. Yeah. 1.5 meters is not big. No, 1.5 feet. Feet. That's less. That's way less. Yeah. (laughs) Since it was confirmed that it or at least in this paper that is non-peer-reviewed, so it's really hard to say it's confirmed. 9.9999. Yes. So if that paper has a 60% chance of being right, then it is 100% right that it's from interstellar space. Yeah. Math. Just kidding. But there are already, like, many astronomers have who hypothesize that basically anything coming from extrasolar systems outside of ours would be incredibly rare so much so that we would never see one in our like advanced civilization that was my next point like what are the odds of this thing even hitting us incredibly rare like (laughs) it's not supposed to happen so that's that's part of why this guy's reasoning this i was just gonna say so he's making a point here because the odds of it even hitting us are like even less than a needle in a haystack yeah i don't know if we've talked about it on this podcast before but basically if we were gonna look for extraterrestrial life we would project out where these planets would be basically send probes very small probes that would be able to send us (gasps) so he thinks this is a probe that's my guess. Again, I've just read the news article, not uh, not okay. any papers he's passed. I get it. I get what he's saying. I can get behind that. That's a good one. Yeah. Oumuamua. Outside of that, there are some fun things at the bottom of different bodies of water. Like in the Baltic Sea, there's a weird shaped rock that looks like the Millennium Falcon that has a lot of weird rumors about it from people trying to like uh, investigate it. I've heard about it. And in fact, we could probably do weird rocks at the bottom of water. <laughs> an, an entire episode added <laughs> and with that added we can probably get on with this episode okay let's do it from the unexplained to the mundane why don't you come join us on our journey to the fringe hello and welcome to journey to the fringe because the path to the fringe is riddled with insanity corpses and questionable consonants so you should probably take a guide we are your guides if you will have us our names taylor and chelsea and today we tackle a very strange topic that i'm just going to pull right out front and say this it is weird and i don't know how it ends necessarily it (laughs) ends in a very weird way good but today we are talking about phantom illnesses oh Particularly one called Morgellons disease. You may recognize it if you are a deep lore listener of Coast to Coast AM as something George Norrie was on about before he oh, went no. all senile and oh, before long-winded. Okay. Yes, before. Well, at least in the process of. <laughs> Which is the whole time. Okay. This is going to be a wild ride. It's a strange illness. It has a lot of different sides to it well it has two big sides and i don't know which one's correct even after like hours and hours and hours of research i find conflicting affirmation from credible sources so i'm gonna start out by reading articles about early individuals in the morgellons history who have contracted this illness or at least believe they've contracted the illness we're gonna read through those and then we're gonna talk about descriptions of the illness and then we're going to break down the different sides of the story and see where we're at today. Okay. 
I'm excited. I had no idea this is what we were doing. This might seem a little confusing early on because I haven't described to you what this disease is at all. But rest assured, it will make sense as we go along. I have faith. The story of Morgellons disease really starts at least from a research point of view in 2001. I found a article from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette posted in 2006 that outlines this nicely, the original cases of this disease. The article is titled, Mom Fights for Answers on What's Wrong with Her Son. Fair enough. It is summer. 2001. Drew, or Andrew, is two years old, almost three. He points to an irritated patch of skin under his lips. Bugs, he says. How strange, the mother thinks. She's already taken Drew to several Pittsburgh dermatologists and pediatricians, but nothing they've prescribed for eczema, for atypical scabies, has stopped his itching. Mary Litau rubs him with the prescribed scabies cream, making gentle circles with her hands. Mary Litau is the mother in this situation. In the years that follow, the mother will think often about this moment, cursing it, re-examining it, and pinpointing it as the start of everything. As Miss Litau rubs, Something fiber-like emerges from the boy's skin. Mm -hmm. She'll later say, as a biologist, she's mesmerized. As a mother, she's horrified. Miss Litau collected a sample of the strands from Drew's skin. They glide right off. She places them onto a slide, examining them under an $8 Radio Shack microscope. She's looked thousands of times into microscopes, fancier ones first as a biology student at the University of Massachusetts, Boston, and later for five years as a medical researcher at two Boston hospitals. She's seen nothing like this before. She shakes her head and thinks, these things cannot be coming out of my son's body. The symptoms that Miss Litau now attributes to some 4,500 people nationwide are by word of most dermatologists and psychiatrists, a part of a delusional parasitosis, a psychiatric disorder. Victims complain of similar symptoms, crawling sensations, and skin infestations. Those with delusional parasitosis insist such problems truly exist and cycle from physician to physician, seeking validation, never finding it. But then Mary Litau sees something sprout from her boy's skin, and she sets out to find answers. Fibers, she calls them at first. She hopes to find they're merely sweater strands or simple fungi. But after months of studying, she finds something else, something variably black and red and blue that fluoresces under the proper light. Her first description under magnification, the fibers appear ribbon-like and coenocytic, meaning without cell walls. Dozens of times, Miss Litau tries to prove herself wrong. People don't sprout fibers, logic tells her. She swabs Drew's irritations, clean, ensuring them to be fiber-free, and covers them with a sterile, non-fibrous wrap. The fibers still return. Miss hmm. Litau uses a biology lab to continue her studies. She concludes that the medical system owes her some answers. Her husband, Edward, an internist with South Allegheny Internal Medicine in Bethel Park, tells her as much. Rely on medicine, he says. He too feels Drew has something unknown and what good research doctor can resist a chance to crack away at an answer? Miss Litau creates a website, Morgellons Research Foundation, devoted to what she believes is a new disease, which she names Morgellons after an obscure 17th century French reference to black hairs. It is now March 29th, 2004. She formally establishes the Morgellons Research Foundation, a non-profit group headquartered in her home. She's the executive director, meaning she must endure two recurring messages, both burdensome in their own ways those disputing the disease and telling her she's crazy, and those convinced that they're suffering from it and tell her she's their last hope. Daily, she spends four to five hours talking on the phone. She corresponds with a woman in Texas who once poured lighter fluid on her skin lesions, hoping to set fire to the insects inside Oh my god. Her. She befriends a man in Virginia who gained 100 pounds and spent four years on his sofa, isolated from friends and family. And when a 20-something dies of a painkiller overdose, ending his fight with Morgellon symptoms, Miss Litau calls the man's mother and tells her, we are fighting a system that's so messed up. Those registered as Morgellon sufferers swarm medical offices reciting stories about the fibers, the fatigue, the joint swelling, the nights in which itching prevents sleep, the fatigue that drops them onto the couch for 30 hours straight, the hopelessness that prompts thoughts of suicide, the implausibility of such frenzied symptoms gets a common, simpler diagnosis. They suffer terribly, but it's psychiatric, said Dr. Elston, a dermatologist in the Geisinger Medical System in Danville, Montour County. The fact that there's something online to cling to, it's a difficult obstacle for us. The moment you mention psychiatrists, these patients get extremely angry, said psychiatrist Alistair Monroe. 
author of Delusional Disorder. They say there's nothing wrong with their brains. They have all kinds of explanations. Drew continues to see doctors. Miss Latow by his side. The fibers still sprout. The pair meets with UPMC dermatologist Douglas Cress, who diagnoses eczema. His prescribed medication fails to help. Miss Latow speaks with pediatrician Dr. Michael Frack. He knows the medical skepticism about Morgellons, but he also knows history. He thinks Polly Murray, who two decades before had tried to convince the medical world that she was sick, not simply hypochondriacal. Her persistence pioneered Lyme disease. Maybe mainstream medicine has been dismissive of this too, Dr. Frack said. They haven't given this a fair shake. He acknowledged that most physicians lack the research power to find the causality of new diseases. He refers Miss Latow to Dr. Fred Heldrich, a Johns Hopkins pediatrician known for solving mystery cases. Drew's doctor refuses to prescribe powerful antibiotics without research that proves the need for them. On the advice of Dr. Fract, Drew and Miss Latow drive to Baltimore to visit the Hopkins expert, Dr. Heldrich. He forms his own conclusions about proper treatment of Margellans. I found no evidence of anything suspicious in Andrew, Dr. Heldrich wrote to Dr. Fract after the visit. Then he added, Miss Latow would benefit from a psychiatric evaluation and support. Whether Andrew has Morgellons disease or not, I hope she will cease to use her son in further exploring this problem. Why though? Because he thinks this is made up. I know, but as a mom, you're not just gonna like leave it and not no, figure but out what's going on. Have you heard of Munchausen syndrome before? Yes. Where essentially like a mother's exploiting an illness that isn't there in their child. Yeah, either they or somebody close to them has made up illnesses in them to get attention. Is the simple explanation of that. Okay, so that's what really thinking that it is. Yeah. Or psychosomatic, just there's something wrong mentally that is making it come out. I could see it just because they complain of like bugs biting them. Yeah. The thing with me is the fibers though. I And I don't see like... We will get to that. If you can wait a couple minutes, we will get to that. Okay. Dr. Randy Wymore finds her just in time. The Oklahoma State University Assistant Professor of Pharmacology and Physiology stumbles onto Miss Latow's website while surfing online. He's a glutton for unknowns. We don't claim to have all the answers, he said, but let's try to help one another on the journey. In the summer of 2005, Miss Latow moves her family to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, a new start. At the same time, Dr. Wymore and his family drive from Tulsa, Oklahoma to California for a vacation. On the way, Dr. Wymore collects dozens of fiber samples from clothing on Goodwill racks, from hotel drapes, from room corners upswept for 20 years. Though he maintains an open mind, he hypothesizes that Morgellons fibers come from an outside source, something easily explained. Hundreds of Morgellons fibers arrive at his lab, sent from desperate patients, sent from nurses and doctors. As Dr. Weimar begins a comparison, his skepticism erodes. The fibers resemble one another, and yet they do not resemble hair or waste materials, or cellulose, or any known textile substances. Hmm. The fibers, about the size of small eyebrow hairs, are not living organisms. Dr. Weimar decides. He teams with the Tulsa Police Department crime lab to sort through fiber samples, and though the lab owns a database of more than 800 fibers, these fibers match nothing. Dr. Wymore currently awaits spectroscopy results offering information about the physical and chemical components of the fibers. See, the people who don't want to discuss this, they just say, we don't grow red and blue fibers. To a certain extent, it's a little bit of that earth is flat mentality, Dr. Wymore said. But how many people are open to self-change? Morgellons is almost as difficult to wrap your mind around as trying to convince someone to change religious views. Think about it. How often does that work? It is June 2006. Drew now sleeps with his eyes half open, a neurological abnormality that worries Miss Latow. Drew can't play baseball this season because he sweats profusely in sunshine and sweat triggers his skin irritations. So instead, Miss Latow pitches hit to him in the yard. Miss Latow gathers only a handful of donations for her foundation and has yet to receive a grant. An anonymous blogger maintains an anti-Morgellons website rife with personal attacks. Some living with Morgellons become so discontented they channel frustrations towards the one person they can associate with the disease. People say, Mary, you need to take a break from this, but it's not like I can forget about this now. I have a lot of friends with this and they're all incredibly sick. Their neurological problems are getting worse. I've got to see this through. This is a mission. I don't know. I think it's fear-based behavior. 
it does appear to be a bit neurotic unless you realize what is driving the force the love of my children and the fear of an unknown disease you know maybe if enough baseball players get more gelons or enough politicians children i know i sound like a crazy woman but what does it take what does it take the cdc terms more gelons a syndrome fictitious until proven real interesting that they call it fictitious but i don't know enough yet that's all i'm gonna say in right july now. of 2006 a 13 member cdc committee meets for the second time the group includes infectious disease experts parasitic disease experts environmental health workers and indeed mental health specialists miss latow waits at home one mile from the beach knowing a cdc issued answer could take months she and drew watch spongebob at the end of the day miss latow said the truth will stand alone so that's the story of really the first person that publicly came out as having okay. more gelancism. And SpongeBob was important there. What they were watching that day yeah. seems like an important part. Of I actually story. had to edit this down a lot. At SpongeBob's day, there was probably four more pages of this article, which I edited out just because there is so much angling the story or positioning the story in it. Yeah. Okay. It definitely paints the CDC and the medical community as off base. Well, that's what I'm thinking right now. If there's multiple people with this, I had a, a range there. I was like, okay, psychological could be bugs biting the skin. Seems like it might be. But then if multiple people are having it, I would think it warrants a little looking into. And that's basically my train of thought right now. That Dr. Wymore that is referenced earlier on who was studying the samples, I could not for the life of me find his research paper on that. Oh, weird. So he's talking about how these things don't resemble any fabrics out there or anything that he'd seen before. Can't find that paper. Okay. Weird, but okay. Yeah. It references it. No, they don't reference his paper. They reference him saying it. I can't find any actual oh, weird. Uh, papers okay. out there about it. Okay. Which, of course, I don't have access to all the research websites. So maybe, maybe it's out there on one of the scholarly distributors that I don't have access to, but I, I just couldn't find it. Okay. And I think Fair he enough. comes up again in my next article. This one's from The Guardian by a journalist by the name of Will Storr, published on May 7th, 2011. And this is titled, Morgellons, A Hidden Epidemic or Mass Hysteria? It all started in August of 2007 on a family holiday in New England. Paul had been watching Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix with his wife and two sons. Again, connection here, children's TV shows. I was just going to make that connection. And he had started to itch. His legs, his arms, his torso, it was everywhere. It must be fleas in the seat, he decided. But the 55-year-old IT executive from Birmingham had been itching ever since, and the mystery of what is wrong with him has only deepened. When Paul rubbed his fingertips over the pimples that dotted the skin, he felt spines. Weird alien things like splinters. Then in 2008, his wife was soothing his back with surgical spirit when the cotton swab she was using gathered a curious blue-black haze from his skin. Paul went out, bought a 40-pound microscope, and examined the cotton. 40 pounds? What were these curling-colored fibers? He googled the words fibers, itch, sting, skin, and there was his answer. It must be. All the symptoms fit. He had a new disease called Morgellons. The fibers were the product of mysterious creatures that burrow and breed in the body. As he read on, he had no idea that Morgellons would turn out to be the worst kind of answers imaginable. The campaign group Charles E. Holman Foundation states that there are sufferers in every continent except Antarctica of Morgellons. Thousands have written to Congress demanding action. In response, more than 40 senators, including Hillary Clinton, John McCain, and pre-president Barack Obama, pressured the Center for Disease Control and Prevention to investigate in 2006. It formed a special task force, setting aside $1 million to study the condition. Sufferers include folk singer Joni Mitchell, who has complained of this weird incurable disease that seems like it's from outer space. Fibers in a variety of colors protrude out of my skin. They cannot be forensically identified as animal, vegetable, or mineral. Morgellons is a slow, unpredictable killer, a terrorist disease, which I think is more of a show of the times than anything. It will blow True. up one of your organs, leaving you in bed for a year. That's an entire quote from Joni Mitchell. Outside of that part where I say the Tony terrorist Mitchell, thing. hey. Yeah. Interesting. And then I just want to point out the fact, too, that you said that it's reported on all continents. Because literally right before you said that, I was like, I wonder if it's tied to a certain area. Because you also mentioned bugs. Yeah. Planting it in the skin. Yeah. Which, if it was bugs, you would think it would be confined to a certain area. Possibly. 
but we will come back to that at some point. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. If not, this is all we had to say about it. Exactly. And you will like it. <laughs> I so already it's, do. How oh, good. So it's new, frightening, and profoundly odd. But if you were to seek the view of the medical establishment, you'd find the strangest fact about this disease. Morgellons doesn't exist. Paul has seen an array of experts. GPs, allergy doctors, infectious disease clinicians, and dermatologists. Most end up agreeing with the skin specialist to whom he first took samples of his fiber-stained cotton. His sores are self-inflicted, and he suffers from delusions of parasitosis, a psychiatric condition in which people falsely believe themselves to be infested. This particular form of delusional parasitosis is thought to be unique, and that it's spread through the internet. Whereas in the past, episodes of mass hysteria were limited to small communities, perhaps the most famous being the Witch Panic of Salem in 1690s. Can I clarify something? Is it the internet giving the fibers to us? No, it would be the fact Reading that people can talk it. on forums. Yeah. Okay, but wouldn't they see the source as well as the evidence that it was there? Well, yes, but the real question is, and I, I don't think it really comes up later, if you're itching and yes. you're feeling itchy, yeah. you're going to get sores. You just are. If you're scratching enough, yeah, yes. exactly. Well, the first thing that I thought of is like people using drugs that feel like they have bugs crawling on their skin, like particularly. There are other parasitosis that are just bugs crawling under your skin. Okay, yeah, with like mental illness. Mental illness, and even it is a side effect of some prescription drugs. Yes, probably ones along the lines of the ones with drug use that are like- Not just drug use, things that will- stuff like that. Things that will impact your neurological pathways. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I know with Ritalin and stuff that are, uh, what's the word for it now? Amphetamines? Yes, amphetamines typically will do that because they're neurological. And yeah, this draws a lot of similarities okay. with that. It's just that the symptoms have reached a point where you're scarring and you're finding fibers under your skin. Okay, which could be neurological. I get could it. Could be neurological. In a three year old, well. like you wouldn't think so, but I guess they can be mentally ill as well. Well, that's the part that's interesting. And again, it's the mother that's been championing Not it. Not that a three year old could. Yes. It wouldn't be able to, but okay. Exactly. Okay, I think we've I've had enough right now. Okay. Paul is not convinced by this diagnosis, though. He carries an alcohol handgel everywhere he goes, has four showers a day, and steam cleans his clothes. The stress leaves him exhausted, short-tempered. He has difficulty concentrating mm -hmm. or applying himself at work. His lowest points have been pretty much feeling like ending it. Possibly it's associated with the times the medical profession has dismissed me. I can't see myself living forever with this. In spring 2005, Randy Wymore, which again, we talked about him before, associate professor of pharmacology at Oklahoma State University, stumbled across an article about Morgellons, reading about the fibers sufferers believed were the byproducts of weird parasite, but which were dismissed by dermatologists as humdrum environmental detritus. Last year, he approached, so that'd be 2010, he approached several commercial laboratories to run further tests, but the moment they discovered the job was related to Morgellons, firm after firm backed out. Finally, Weimar found a lab prepared to take the work. It is these results that will be revealed during a two-day conference, which took place later on. I had to edit out the conference, just keep this like streamlined episode. Next, this journalist talked to Randy Weimar. We have not yet exactly replicated the exact results of the forensics people in Tulsa, he admits. So far, the laboratory has found Weimar's various Morgellons fibers to be nylon, cotton, a blonde human hair, a fungal fiber, a rodent hair, and down, most likely from geese or ducks. That's disappointing, I say. It is, for the most part, disappointing, but there was a bunch of cellulose that didn't make sense on one, and another was unknown. There's a pause. Well, they said it was a big fungal fiber, but they weren't completely convinced. So that's where I get so confused about this guy's research and the fact I have not found his actual report. Yeah, it's weird, but it's now another article that's mentioned him. And but it's gone into more detail because he's actually sent this off to other locations that say it's very easy to say what these yeah. are. Yeah, another couple things I want to say here. This seems like a small percent of things compared to like other diseases. And in that small percent, I would imagine there are times where certain fibers can be on wounds that you would mistake for something in the small percentage of error, right? There's always error. 
Well, yeah, there's always error. There's human. always whenever you're sending things off to a different lab, like if you're getting more than one lab, the transfers always could have some issues. With yeah. It. And like my hair is everywhere. I could have true, but you're not Zima. in a lab. No, I'm not in a lab. And my hair is like strongly identifiable. It's a long, dark hair. But, like I could have eczema one day, which I do have and wipe it and have like someone's hair on it and be like that's weird i've never seen that before right in a small margin of error well exactly or I could come up somewhere in a lab my hair could drop there someone else's hair could drop there that i don't recognize and i think this is that and actually hearing that like discussion about like sending it off different labs reminded me a lot about that university sorry i don't know if she was a university professor but that scientist who was trying to get bigfoot hair strands examined yes do you remember those stories where she had to pretend that it wasn't Bigfoot? Isn't she the one that was David Pilatus was really pushing? Yeah. Yeah. Which we could probably do an episode that. on that. It was an interesting story. I'm going to put out it here. The other thing I want to say at this point is I wouldn't put it past on the exact opposite end of this spectrum. I wouldn't put it past Big Pharma to not want to recognize a disease for some reason whatever reason it may be they may have a million reasons a new disease means you can treat it and exactly. just so that well exactly on the other end of that means you can treat it means you can sell more medication these would not be labs that are pharmaceutically attached mm. these would just be research labs in which case more reason to shoot it down i guess maybe well not necessarily maybe. not necessarily i think it always does follow that stance that large claims require large evidence it, it's not quite, I didn't say it elegantly like the actual statement is, but it's something along those lines. We're journey to the fringe. We're not elegant here. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I just, you put big pharma into the equation of saying whether or not it's a real disease and there's a lot See, of corruption behind big pharma so you never know on that end as i well. don't think that's necessarily anything to bring up just because okay. either way it goes big pharma makes money yeah if it's a psychosomatic issue they're going to sell you psychosomatic they make money. drugs if it's not something if it's that it not is. then they're going to make money selling a new drug true so. unless there's something else behind it unless it's a hot water bath's going to cure it but yeah that hasn't come up as an answer. Well, you wouldn't think for fibers coming out of you. I got one more paragraph to okay. finish off my articles, and then we can talk okay. about the rest. Back in London, I find a 2008 paper on Morgellons in the journal Dermatologic Therapy that describes patients picking at their skin continuously in order to extract an organism. Obsessive cleaning rituals, showering often, and individuals going mm. to many physicians such as infectious disease specialists and dermatologists. All behaviors consistent with DOP, which mm -hmm. is the uh, psychosomatics. After finding fibers on my own hand, I'm fairly satisfied Morgellons is some 21st century genre of OCD spread through the internet and the fibers are as Weimer's Labs reports, particles of everyday miscellaneous stuff, cotton's human hair, rat hair, and so on. And that last part has to do with his time at a convention on Morgellons, which okay. I skipped over, but I think it's important to just bring that last little bit about his opinion on it. Okay. I find this crazy in the fact that it either is some very fundamentally different disease that literally has your body producing fibers or it is a mass hysteria of the internet age which we see many times online which um, I find in its own right a sub research area to look at like Q and the Flat Earth Society exploding in the last decade yeah and I can't say well I'm guilty of it I'm not sure how many people listening are guilty of it if you're feeling anything you go Google what it is and it's something even remotely matches up well and it's not just Google what that is it's going to be and this one came up so much with covid do your own research which is really somebody saying i'm not comfortable explaining this to you so go to this crazy website using the keywords that i googled yeah it's just how the world works these days is that it's very easy to get led into an area where you can find like-minded individuals that agree with you and people don't like to be disputed so if you can find a group of like-minded individuals you will stay there and you can find anything on the internet now. Exactly. As long as you're searching the correct keywords. So that's a good point. So those are the early cases that I wanted to highlight and the newspaper articles on them. Okay, I'm torn so far. Now, and usually I start with this, but I thought it was important to bring it to this point in the article. Are you ready for it? Uh, yeah, okay. The yeah, Wikipedia article. Okay, good, I'm ready. First off, I just wanted to bring up the first thing that I 
felt was important to talk about in the Wikipedia article is the CDC investigation that's referenced in both of those articles. Okay, there is a CDC investigation? Yeah, that, um, again, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton kind of pushed to uh, get them to do. Okay. And John McCain. The Morgellons Research Foundation coordinated a mailing campaign via their website in which thousands of people sent form letters to a Centers for Disease Control and Prevention task force, which first met in June 2006. By August of 2006, the task force consisting of 12 people, including two pathologists, a toxicologist, an ethicist, a mental health expert, and a specialist in infectious, parasitic, environmental, and chronic diseases. In June 2007, the CDC started a website related to Morgellons, CDC Studies of an Unexplained Dermopathy. And by November of 2007, the CDC opened an investigation into the condition. Kaiser Permanente, a healthcare consortium in Northern California, was chosen to assist with the investigation, which involved skin biopsies from affected people and characterizations of foreign materials such as fibers or threads obtained from people to determine their potential source. Okay, here we go. The U.S. Armed Forces Institute of Pathology and the American Academy of Dermatology assisted with pathology. Hold on, U.S. Armed Forces? Yeah, the U.S. Armed Forces Institute of Pathology. So just like... I don't know what that is, but their science arm, the Army science arm. Okay. In June 2012, the CDC released the results of their study. The CDC concluded that 59% of subjects showed cognitive deficits and 63% had evidence of clinically significant symptoms. They stated that 50% of the individuals had drugs in their system and 78 reported exposure to solvents, potential skin irritants. The study detected no parasites or mm. mycobacteria in the samples collected from any individuals. Most materials collected from participant skin were composed of cellulose, likely of cotton origin. And in 2012, the Morgellon Research Foundation closed down and directed future inquiries to the Oklahoma State University. And still, to this day, on the Wikipedia page, at the very top of the article, where it gives you a synopsis, Morgellons is the informal name for a self-diagnosed, scientifically unsubstantiated skin condition in which individuals have sores that they believe contain fibrous materials. Morgellon is not well understood, but the general medical consensus is that it is a form of delusional parasitosis. The sores are typically the results of compulsive scratching and the fibers, when analyzed, are consistently found to have originated from cotton and other textiles. So that's what Wikipedia has to say about it. They've made up their mind. Wikipedia is always consistently, like, made up its mind about things. Yeah. It's a tough one because, of course, if you have something like this, you're going to be compelled to have a million showers and be compulsive about, like, changing your clothes and stuff like that. And this. having clean skin, yeah. But at the other side of it, you're like, you could be, like, severely mentally ill and just be, like, OCD and thinking this. And then, as disgusting as it is, if you have a sore and you're wearing a shirt and it dries it will take some of the fibers i'm so torn on this especially if you're compulsively scratching yeah if it's an open sore that's bleeding or anything you've broken the skin i have eczema i'm used to this as disgusting as this may sound and it dries and you're wearing a shirt it takes some of the fiber of your shirt with it but they're also describing feeling like hard fibers sticking out of their skin. Which, and it's really hard to say whether or not that's just the fact that they're online with that or if it is its own disease in itself. Well, it can be. And like I was saying earlier, like you can Google anything, like Dr. Google, and find anything to fit what you're feeling pretty much. And then you feel like you've diagnosed yourself. I'm really torn on this one. Next up though is WebMD because it has a page on this as well. Okay, let's do that. And one. I thought, let's just go with the, if you're going online and checking for a condition, this is where you go. So I thought yeah. it'd be good to at least check that. The question of whether Morgellons is a disease or a delusion has prompted debate and new research in recent years. The CDC that states that the condition is not caused by an infection or anything in the environment. The CDC study also included a lab analysis of skin fibers in Morgellon patients. 
The analysis showed that these fibers were mostly cotton, such as typically found in clothing or bandages. CDC research also revealed that skin sores seemed to be the result of long-term picking and scratching the skin. The CDC report goes on to say, we are not able to conclude based on this study whether this unexplained dermopathy represents a new condition, as has been proposed by those who use the term morgelins or wider recognition of an existing condition such as delusional parasitosis. The results of the CDC study have been archived and are no longer updated. The CDC does not plan to do any further research on the matter. Besides the CDC, other research teams have contributed to the debate on Morgellons. Previous case studies and research have suggested that Morgellons may be linked to Lyme disease. Some patients with symptoms of Morgellons had tested positive for the bacteria that causes Lyme disease. But according to Morgellons, researchers at Oklahoma State University, there is no evidence to prove this theory. Likewise, there is no evidence of Lyme infection in any of the people in the CDC study. A 2010 study found a potential link between Morgellons symptoms and an underactive thyroid, hypothyroidism. More research needs to be done on this finding, and Morgellons also appear similar to a condition seen in cattle called bovine digital dermatitis, which is due to an infection according to a 2011 study, but no conclusion can be reached from these small studies. So a little more open than the Wikipedia article for sure. Mm -hmm. It definitely talks about other possible reasons for it, but says there's nothing to back it up. I mean, there's nothing because it seems like it's so dismissive. Of course, there's nothing except for this one guy that we can't find his paper for. Yeah. And just so we are all on the same page, I thought it would be better to go through medical groups I shouldn't say medical. People who have accumulated all of the research papers on this, because I tried reading the research papers, they are all over the map. They are crazy. And you need to know a lot about medicine to actually be able to read those. I read some abstracts. I started reading those papers and I thought, you know what? Let's actually go to the people who know what they're talking about and see what they've accumulated, which is why WebMD can be a good place to look, why Wikipedia can be a good place to look, and why my last one I want to look at, the Mayo Clinic, as made famous by the place that diagnosed Mr. Burns with everything. Mr. Burns, I'm afraid you... You are the sickest man in the United States. You have everything. You mean I have pneumonia? Yes. Juvenile diabetes? Yes. Hysterical pregnancy? A, a little bit, yes. What they have to say about Morgellons disease. Just so we're on the same page, Mr. Burns did not have Morgellons disease because that episode actually happens before Morgellons disease actually even brought up in the public eye. Oh, that's a fun fact. If you go on Mayo Clinic, they have a full article on it. Morgellons disease is an uncommon, poorly understood condition characterized by small fibers or other particles emerging from skin sores. People with this condition often report feeling as if something were crawling on or stinging their skin. Some doctors recognize the condition as a delusional manifestation and treat it with cognitive behavioral therapy, antidepressants, antipsychotic drugs, and counseling. Others think the symptoms are related to an infectious process in skin cells. Further study is needed. People who have Morgellons disease report the following signs and symptoms. Skin rashes or sores that can cause intense itching. Crawling sensations on and under the skin, often compared to insects moving, stinging, or biting. Fibers, threads, or black stringy materials in and on the skin. Fatigue, difficulty concentrating, short-term memory loss, depressed mood. The intense itching and open sores associated with Morgellons disease can severely interfere with a person's quality of life. What do researchers know about Morgellons disease? The research on Morgellons by multiple groups over decades has yielded conflicting results. Multiple studies report possible links between Morgellons and an infection with Borrelia spirochetti, which I am probably butchering, but we're going to keep going. These results contradict an earlier study by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. CDC, which concluded that the condition isn't caused by an infection or parasite. The CDC study of 115 people with Morgellons, which the CDC refers to as an unexplained dermatopathy. Geez, there's so many medical words I'm butchering right now, but we're just going to keep plowing through and butchering these words. Let's do it. Showed that most of the fibers in the skin wounds were cotton. The CDC report noted that the condition is most often seen in middle-aged white women, hmm. which actually that's the first time it's come up at this point. But it is interesting. That is the group with the most free time that is most 
susceptible to this kind of thing. Well, and you look back to your first case and it was a middle-aged white woman with her son. Possibly projecting it onto her son. I mean, whether or not she's right or not, she's projecting it onto her son because it's not her son saying, I have fibers coming out of my skin. It's her. Okay, interesting. And its symptoms are very similar to those of mental illness involving false beliefs about manifestation by parasites. Small research studies have tried to determine the cause and effective treatments for Morgellons disease, but there is still no proven guidance on diagnoses and treatment. Further research is needed. Common attitudes of health professionals towards Morgellons disease include thinking that Morgellons disease is a specific condition that needs to be confirmed by research, thinking that signs and symptoms of Morgellons disease are caused by another condition, often a mental illness, and not acknowledging Morgellons disease or reserving judgment until more is known about it. Some people who suspect they have Morgellons disease claim they've been ignored or dismissed as fakers. In contrast, some doctors say that people who report signs and symptoms of Morgellons disease typically resist other explanations for their condition. That's what they have for the most part, they do have a little bit here about coping with Morgellons disease. Okay. So if you're listening to this and you seem to be experiencing it, here's what they say. The signs and symptoms linked to Morgellons disease can be distressing. Even though health professionals may disagree about the nature of the condition, you deserve compassionate treatment. To manage your signs and symptoms, A. Establish a relationship with a caring healthcare team. Find a doctor who acknowledges your concerns, does a thorough examination, talks through treatment options with you, and works with a multidisciplinary team. B. Be patient. Your doctor will likely look for known conditions that point to evidence-based treatments before considering a diagnosis of Morgellons disease. C. Keep an open mind. Consider various causes for your signs and symptoms and discuss your doctor's recommendations for treatment, which may include long-term mental health therapy. And D. Seek treatment for other conditions, get treatment for anxiety, depression, or any other condition that affects your thinking, moods, or behavior. So that what I found the most sympathetic to it actually being a disease. That's really nice of them. And you'll notice a little bit in the last two, both WebMD and the Mayo Clinic vaguely mentioned Lyme yes. disease. And I found a paper published on May 10th of 2021 that I just want to quote a little bit of. A study published in the prestigious journal Clinical Cosmetic and Investigational Dermatology illustrates the link between Lyme disease and the mysterious skin condition called Morgellons disease. Okay. The news was hailed by Charles E. Holman Morgellons Disease Foundation of Austin, Texas. The investigation was funded by the Call to Serve Foundation of Provo, Utah. Morgellons disease is associated with tick-borne infections, including Lyme disease. Patients with the condition are frequently afflicted with disfiguring skin lesions containing strange microscopic multicolored thread-like filaments. The disease is often accompanied by symptoms characteristic of Lyme disease, including fatigue, mm. joint and muscle pain, and neurological problems. This paper strengthens the argument that Morgellons disease is infectious in origin, says Cindy Casey Holman, director of the CEHMDF. It is heartbreaking that the repeatable, solid scientific evidence is not widely accepted by the medical community, and the patients are stigmatized. They suffer. If you want to learn more about it, it's fairly easy to find. Look for Hagblad, take born Morgellons disease. And that is where I ended everything, because it just got so ridiculous trying to figure out which is right and which is wrong in all this and frankly I couldn't find anything about that paper because I couldn't find the paper that was just a article interesting okay I do have a few comments the whole time I was waiting to find out a reason for what was causing this and obviously we're not going to get that no and it varies people have all different conclusions on the map from it is psychosomatic to tick-borne to other Mm. parasite to a virus to a bacteria to aliens like people out there believe it is an alien. You could put literally anything right now because literally you go on the internet and you probably Google your symptoms and everything under the sun comes up because it's not a diagnose. Like I literally Googled sore plus fiber. And then add aliens question mark and it'll say aliens. Yeah. Morgellons disease came up. But like I said earlier, like as gross as it is, if you have an open wound, eczema for one, which is eczema, you scratch it or if it gets bad enough, 
during whatever season, it's an open wound and you wear a shirt on top of it, the cotton from your shirt is going to stick to it and it dries. And I think importantly with eczema, it doesn't go away either, really. But then you bring up the fact of they gave probably cortisol and it didn't go away. So then it just seems to be dismissed very fast. Other than the one guy that wrote a paper, he seems to like be into it, but no one else seems to be into it at all. And if your body for whatever reason I was so interested in that like why would your body be producing fibers like what would cause that unless it's like silkworms well and that's that whole thing like nothing else produces fibers in your body like unless I don't know you you get bit by a radioactive spider your body may produce fibers or maybe but they're not the fibers they're describing silkworms produce fiber you can make silk out of it I guess if you're bitten by a radioactive silk yeah but there's nothing else that you're going to be bit by that's going to produce fibers like what would make you as a human produce fibers that you can make a quilt under being bitten by a radioactive flaxseed Like, but then at that point, like, you could profit off this. You can make human-made Morgellons disease quilt. I don't know if they're going to be that big of quilts. (laughs) Dishcloth. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a doll dishcloth or something like that. Like, that's what I was really waiting for. Like, what would be the reason that would cause a human body to produce fibers out of a sore that's so bizarre and if you were it probably would feel like bugs under your skin like the fibers would be trying to poke out and the one guy said it felt like fibers but at the same time I don't have a beard but I would assume that's what it would feel like I would say especially if it's a male that's in his 50s that's reporting this he would know what the feeling of having an ingrown hair is compared to a uh, having a fiber under your skin. Yeah, that's the only thing I could relate it to because like beards are, I don't like them being close to me. They're like hard and like hurty if they touch your skin. That's what I'm relating it to at this point. But yeah, you would know. A three-year-old probably wouldn't be growing a beard unless he is and that's why it's like so alarming. It wouldn't just wipe away. But now you kind of get why it's like, I don't know how this ends. Like this is just where we're at. It is. It's very confusing and it seems to be dismissed very fast, which is also so confusing it's both dismissed very fast in some articles especially on wikipedia which i found crazy at the same time too there is research going into it on whether or not there's a link with ticks ticks in themselves like lyme disease is a very mysterious illness that has its own weird backstory yeah and there's other illnesses that are very mysterious as to diagnosis and what they are and everything like that so it's not like out of the realm possibility but it seems very dismissed so this is a very mysterious thing i'm intrigued by it and if anything ever comes out about it that like solidifies what it is we will keep you up to date here on journey to the fringe but for now this is just where we're at okay we journeyed to the path fringe and that's what we do came to a weird (laughs) open-ended trail and now we turn back i don't like it but i can live with it and i'm glad that I usually want my hikes to end in like a waterfall or a nice view, but here it's yeah. just my an open my field. hikes usually have an answer at the end. But I'm glad you brought this to our attention. I feel unfulfilled by it, but happy that now I know what Morgellons disease is. And like probably seventy percent of our episodes, they do not end you with a happy feeling. <laughs> That's why you listen to it. But us. hey, we can we can use the happy words at the end. <laughs> hey, be happy and. There we go. We're cured. I'm glad that's over. Anyhow, I have been Taylor here with Chelsea here on Journey to the Fringe. Thank you all for listening and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what venue you are listening to us through. Also, please, if possible, leave a five-star review, as that really helps us in the algorithms. Should you wish to interact with us, please check us out on your social media of choice. I bet you we are there. And if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes or tell us that we're wrong terrible either way please send us an email at journey to the fringe at gmail.com for now i'll see you in the next episode <laughs> <laughs>